Wait, that's how you want to start? That's how we start. That's how we start, Greg. No, I want to start with something we've never done on the show. What's that? And it's something that I know uh, listeners will really appreciate. An ad read. (laughs) Okay, go for it. This episode is brought to you by Trump Pence 2020. Look, (laughs) you're like us. Your way of life is being threatened. Your way of life, sitting in air conditioning, watching the news all day. um, Because the liberal (laughs) media is just full of, I don't know, too much stuff that scares you. And listen, we're all scared, are we not? Mm. So why not... Why not just keep on going with the guy who's who's allaying those fears just by being the big white wet boy who's on this, who's at the podium, just make you feel good talking about all the things that annoy you, i.e., walking down ramps, not being able to drink water properly, um, being mad at your grandkids. These are all things that we can. This is a movement that we can all get behind. So Remember that's why, many strokes, neither do we. That's fine. We're moving yes, on. <laughs> yes, that's why we support Trump Pence twenty twenty. Now they reach out to us. This is like Mad Men when. Uh, campaigns would come to ad executives you and i are in advertising we're like mad men oh of um, course yeah except in uh, many a few a few minor details here and there um <laughs> so they came to us and said hey we desperately need your guys's cachet and acumen as young as young millennials you and i are mm-hmm. millennials obviously or are yep. we gen z i don't know what who cares the generation's facile stupid get it out of here the point is we support law and order and we also know that this uh, coronavirus is being blown out of the proportion, or it's um, uh, uh, it's been perpetuated by the Chinese and um, the liberal media to ruin our big wet president's uh, <laughs> uh, election chances. Either way, it's all fine, and we shouldn't care about it. So this is what we support now. This is why we're all about Trump, Trump Pence 2020, and uh, you should support it too. Yeah, exactly. I mean, you've seen all the ads, like uh, all the rioting, all the looting that's been going on. Yeah. That's going to be Biden's America all the time, as opposed to the present, which is currently happening now. And yeah. that's nobody's fault. <laughs> yeah, so, exactly. I mean, why respond to the moment you want instead of pretending like it's the moment we don't have? So, like, problem solved as far as I'm concerned. We exactly. all win. Everyone wins. Exactly. We More for should... black Americans than anybody else, one assumes. <laughs> Sure. Now that I think about it, I probably should have waited until the check cleared. That was a mistake mm. on my part. But <laughs> Craig, well, I think I think if there's I can... one thing about Donald Trump we know, he always pays his debts. He's like a mm. Lannister in that way. Yeah, a Lannister. What do you mean, a Lannister? Lan- I don't remember. Well, Lan- that. What, what are you talking about? <laughs> what? What? what are you, is, is there some kind of like meme you're talking about, like from some TV show that happened years ago? I don't know. I oh. I can't remember. Exactly. Oh. Wow, that last season, that last season, and it's just whoosh, like a fart in the wind. I, I don't know what you're talking about. But, oh, okay. John, we're the aspiring snobs. We're here to talk about contemporary things. All right, that's why, after a long hiatus, too long and complicated to get into, um, <laughs> we had a lot of plans for a month that were all scuttled by COVID-19. And then we said, forget it, we're just not going to not gonna lend anything. Um, then we had a, a resurgence in the Black Lives Matter movement, and we thought, you and I, <laughs> what could we possibly lend to that conversation? Perfect timing for us to come back. Like, yeah. you know, with that media blackout, it's like that blackout that happened in June. We're like, all right, now's our chance. We should really go for it. And yeah. then it just didn't work out. So, yeah. But I mean, we've, it's, it's been a kind of productive summer based on everything that's been happening. So there's that, right? Yeah. You and I have been very, uh, a lot has changed this summer, I think, for the both of us. And yeah, we there were some questions on whether we would even do the podcast anymore. But then I saw 
Joe Rogan got signed for a quarter billion dollars. <laughs> and uh, Spotify brought bought the Ringers Network of Podcasts as well. And I mm. thought, come on, we got to get in on this. Like, of course. We got to get in on McGarry's finally back with his new podcast, The Distractor. <laughs> Same as the old Distract- one. The- yes. Is it The <laughs> or Distractor what? or The d- Distraction? I th- it might be The Distraction. Okay. You're right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We figured the it out. The point is, right. other podcasts don't exist. This is of the course. one you should be checking in into. Yeah. Mm-hmm. After and when we and when we sell ourselves to Gimlet Media, subsidiary of Warner Brothers Entertainment, I yeah. think we'll be we'll be rolling in the dough because mm-hmm. people get into podcasting for the money. That's what we're here for. The money. Exactly. And then we'll vertically integrate into a TV show. Mm-hmm. God, God, do I want to be a TV writer so bad? You sit in air conditioning all day, as I mentioned <laughs> earlier. Just order Chinese food and then hang out on Twitter on why um, any kind of uh, left-leaning or socialist politics are wrong. So, well, not, well, not not anymore. Now you do it at home, but I mean, you oh, used to do enough, it in an yeah. office. You used to yeah. do it in an office. I mean, now it's from home. It's just so much easier to you know ignore the female voice in the room. So there you go. Yeah, but anyway, the one female voice in the room. <laughs> yes, fair enough. <laughs> But in any event, we want to talk about uh, all things contemporary. Usually this podcast format is catching up on a classic that uh, mm-hmm. is missing from our oeuvre or you know, we haven't caught up on yet. But we want to catch you on. We've been gone for about six months now. So mm-hmm. we want to catch up on everything that we've, that we've seen that you might have missed. Um, so, John, let's start off with Tiger King, huh? Tiger King? <laughs> wow. <laughs> Remember Tiger King? <laughs> yeah. It was the Game of Thrones of its day. Wait, well, it's Game of Thrones. Who remembers? Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> Tiger King, it's like, um, you know, that uh, Amazon show, The Boys. It's like, I, no, I appreciate it. You, pre- you're, go- you're going on with this, John? Everything that's been said about Tiger King could possibly have been said at this here's point. What I, here's all I want to say, and yeah. I'll be the final word on it. Tiger King is like The Boys, which is, it, it's well-crafted. Another show but- that nobody's seen. <laughs> It's well crafted, but it's not fun to watch. So okay, there you go. Fun. Like Great. they're 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 obviously desperate for content. So what they have now is just stuff that is not fun to watch. <laughs> Yay! No, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I don't want to big up myself, but there was a long read article that I think was published in New York Magazine or one of I don't know Condé Nast's multiple tentacle arms. Slate slash lawn slash the cut slash yeah <laughs> slash whatever, and that that was more edifying too to read because it was just more mm. tragic rather than the freak show that was presented on Netflix. But yeah. And yeah. I mean, I, I listened to the wonder Lily podcast version of it. So it's like, this is nothing new for me uh, with the exception of it, it kind of broadened its scope a little bit. So I appreciate that. But yeah, Tiger King, whatever. We're moving on, moving on. <laughs> yeah, we're moving on. <laughs> well, one thing that um, the COVID-19 pandemic, um, I should say, we're very thankful that our lives have not been drastically upended by it. Um, mm-hmm. We still have, you and I still have good employment situations. Um, we have not contracted the illness, thank goodness. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't know anybody um, who's been seriously affected by it. Um, mm-hmm. We Our obviously want to lift up. Is still okay. So yes, there we, go. we obviously want to lift up um, prayers and and just thoughts to whoever has been affected by it. But um, one thing it's given me is a greater sense of gratitude because uh, I found that you know as I'm missing sports or say going to a movie at the cinemas or the theater like um i've i've come to appreciate how much content and like entertainment that i have that i've gotten a chance to revisit mm-hmm. which is why i want to start our discussion with one of the last movies i've seen in a theater and that was disney pixar's onward you swine did not appreciate <laughs> disney pixar's onward enough all right that was a fine movie and of course the critics savaged it and by savage it i mean gave it like 60 percent on rotten tomatoes or something 
<laughs> Onward when, was fine. It was fine. It was. What do you cute. mean it was fine? What just cute? Just cute? I look, and maybe it's it, maybe it's my fault now that I know too much about the biz. But mm. like, I was watching it and I was like, oh, this feels like an element that was probably a holdover from a previous version of the script. Because there's a lot of like, there's a lot of elements, and it's it's very. You're, you're thinking of the Good Dinosaur. That's there you that's go. that's the movie where everything was held over from another version. I mean, it's like it's it's playing with some interesting ideas. I like the concept, but it doesn't completely gel for me. And I think it's because it it, it feels like it has gone through one too many rewrites. Even though the heart of the story, you know, it's about two elven brothers trying to reunite with their father for their one day using magic. Um, I think that holds up quite well. I think everything else about the movie, like the other kind of side characters, that just kind of feels a little scatter shot. Even like the main character. Um, he's kind of a loser. He's kind of like, you know, overcome with anxiety. He has he's, a, like, he's a high schooler, kind of a loser high schooler who's trying to make friends and make his mm-hmm. way in the world. Yeah. And one of the elements I didn't like, I didn't appreciate about the movie too much is that he has like a checklist fetish, which basically <laughs> you might as well just be like telegraphing every, you know, yeah, everything that's going to happen in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> so that kind of bothered me, but um, it was cute. It was fine. It was fine. It was definitely not, you know, heyday. Pixar. It was not, you know, the the greatest output they've ever had, but it was fine. Yeah, I think I, I mentioned the Good Dinosaur because I think that's the movie that when I first heard the premise of the Good Dinosaur that it was going to be like we have this big bold world of imagination, but then it cuts up to the modern world where everything, like say unicorns, are now pests instead of saying a mm-hmm. magical creature. Or going on a quest involves getting gas versus running into Balrog or whatever else. <laughs> mm-hmm. So that I think that um, stuck with me a little bit because I'm caught in this. I, I feel the same way about the modern world. And I think that's the one thing that was missing from it was maybe a little cynicism because you're right. The main character is a neurotic who has all this list. And other than his brother, the foil in on this journey, who's the one who's a daring adventurer. The problem is every other supporting character is a, is a neurotic and I think I desperately wanted some like cynicism or somebody to say like, no, don't go on an adventure. This is stupid. This is dumb. <laughs> <laughs> or and maybe just some meta commentary there. But instead, we have uh, a character, uh, what's her name, Manticore, uh, who's voiced by Octavia Spencer. She was the one who could have been the cynic. Instead, she's just as neurotic as the mom character, as the younger brother character. And so, like, but well, I mean, I guess it kind of goes with the whole theme of like what what has modern life gotten us it's just increased the amount of anxiety that we have now it's like even though life is so much simpler like we have cell phones now we don't need magic we can literally just download an app on our phone for that Mm -hmm. like but at the same time it's making everyone so anxious like the whole point of the mana core character is that she used to be like this you know monster of myth now she's a you know middle manager at like a chain restaurant (laughs) so yeah like i i get the concept but it's like in practice it it doesn't really it didn't really completely gel for me, especially with everything else that's going on with the movie. Like, you know, and again, everything is so, he's got a checklist, you know, everything is, is so kind of well telegraphed, like, you know, the falling out between the two brothers, the sacrifice one has to make, although it does kind of invert that towards the end. Uh, No spoilers, but. Yeah. Spoilers. I mean, I, I should actually, now that I'm recalling, I'm going to issue a correction earlier. We did not Mm -hmm. see this in the theaters. We saw this, on Disney Plus, literally a month after it came out in theaters, after lockdown had started, so exactly, yeah. But I, maybe you're right; it is a little paint by numbers. The one thing I really appreciate it is um, this feels like it. Some people commented on it. Pixar has an A team 
when they do their really great stuff, i.e. Coco, you know, like original stories. Then they have the B team, the one who maybe does the sequels, like Monsters <laughs> University or Cars 3. Uh, this might have been put together by the B team. But one thing, they, they weren't so... Uh, they didn't have so much fidelity to the story, or they were trying to hit those like save the cat moments. I think mm. there was one scene where we actually jumped forward in time, whereas uh, when I watched Coco, I could feel like them sweating, like they they have this theory like a story has to be a unity of time and place, and I could see them sweating like how do we get these characters from here to here? Like, well, his oh. guitar has to be destroyed, and then Diego the dog has to do this, and like I could see the flop sweat coming off like the team of twelve screenwriters. Whereas in Onward, they're just like, oh, they're here now, and and it's fine. Like we we fast forward to the the main bits, the bits that we need, you know. Exactly. Yeah. Because yeah. and again, like going uh, like roots of this, a lot of, a lot of the world is inspired by like a D and D campaign, and D and D campaigns are not you know big epic one you know full circle stories they're very episodic adventures and so as yeah. a result this is very episodic but mm-hmm. also as a result it feels very kind of like loose and you know it's hard to care at times is that a, so. is that a problem being loose come on fast and loose if anything i want I things not. to be fast and loose during this time it, you're absolutely every, right. yeah yeah as white people say with everything going on <laughs> <laughs> now more than ever we need yeah. movies to be looser <laughs> in these uncertain times we need movies to be more loose and fancy free and onward was loose and fancy free for me yes it was fine and again, the the silver lining of this quarantine. Now all these movies that we used to have to schlep to the theater for, now we can get directly at home, like Sonic the Hedgehog. Or <laughs> or the other movie I was going to strongly recommend. This is technically the last movie we saw in a theater, and possibly ever could see in a theater, which I'd be happy with. That's the Ben Affleck sports drama, The Way Back, which is actually very good. They don't make sports dramas anymore because they don't make money in China. So yeah, there you go. Yeah, but this is a very good sports movie. It's not trying to solve racism. Yes. <laughs> Every movie in the wake of remember the titans has uh, has been trying to do but yes every every movie that involves a, a white coach or a, a coach of a team yes, that might yes. be a different race than him. yeah he has to be yeah he has to literally be a white shadow <laughs> you know <laughs> makes men out of boys and uh, solves racism go. along the way yeah grow the can and then the gas inside will grow with it elbows up i'm trying to focus here Um, I, the last movie we saw in theaters was the uh, Birds of Prey movie, or the Fantabulous Wonderment of the Doctor Parnassus. I don't, <laughs> I don't remember. No, I don't remember that because uh, they changed the title literally a week later. Because exactly, box office yep. numbers weren't great, mm-hmm. and now they don't have to worry about that at all. <laughs> they don't have to worry about box office numbers in the least. Well, actually, now it's really easy to game. Like, they used to care so much, and now it's, like, so easy. You just need to open up a movie now in one theater, and it's, like, a million dollars, and it's, like, yes. The, the now number you can, one movie in America. <laughs> now you can say our movie made just as much as Back to the Future on opening weekend. Look at us. <laughs> um, now, I'm, yeah, now I'm curious. I want to look up the box office mojo on what Back to the Future made its opening weekend. It's like, wow, wow $2 million. <laughs> well, that's the thing. It's, like, uh, they've been reopening they've been doing like drive-ins instead so they're like 
using classics that everyone loves, like Back to the yeah. Future and Jurassic Park. So it's mm. like if you've been looking at box office mojo, you've been seeing Jurassic Park and Back to the Future. <laughs> yeah, be the number one movies in America. Yeah, exactly. So, mm. but John, like tell us need. about Harley Quinn or slash, uh, AKA Birds of Prey, AKA, <laughs> AKA the Tiger King, AKA Joe Exotic, AKA <laughs> Fantabulous Wonderment of Doctor Parnassus or whatever. So it's 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 funny. I was talking to a friend of mine who complained that the movie had no plot and i don't like i don't want to throw him under the bus but i don't think he has the same vocabulary to talk about movies uh that i do and my <laughs> then why are you john then why are you comparing because my complaint my prime complaint about the movie is that it's over plotted okay. it's trying to be a harley quinn movie but then also a birds of prey setup movie i don't know if you know anything about the birds of prey no another no, other than that it's just another superhero team up yeah, it's another superhero I mean, team up, and yeah. prime. Usually, they include a superhero by the name of Black Canary on the team. Um, hence, why it's called Birds of Prey, even though it usually has Batwoman too. So, <laughs> birds aren't bats, idiot. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, like it's so it's it obviously is trying to you know make Harley Quinn the main character, but then also introduce all the other Birds of Prey, and there's four of them. So they get involved in like this convoluted uh, a plot involving like the mob and this diamond that has like secret decoder ring powers or something like that. It's it's very kind of like over the top, which is kind of confusing because it does kind of commit a bit more to kind of living in an elevated reality that feels very much comic book inspired as opposed to the, you know, like Suicide Squad or Batman v Superman or even the Marvel movies. I mean, there are some Marvel movies like the the cosmic set ones, the ones that are like set in space that do feel very much like, oh, this is a comic book movie. This one kind of leans into it more where it's like it's exaggerated. People kind of do things that humans really should not be doing. <laughs> and it's like, wow, they should be way more hurt based on the amount of fighting that they're doing. But again, it's like an elevated comic book movie and it kind of leans into it a little bit more. And the other argument you can make is that this movie is happening in Harley Quinn's head and she's an unreliable narrator. But it's also like she's got the Jack Sparrow thing going on where it's like she's an agent of chaos. So when you introduce that whole kind of conceit that she's the narrator, then it's like, well, what are we really trusting here? So it... I don't want to say it 100% works, but it also doesn't offend my sensibilities. So it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> okay. Now, when you say it's it's all in somebody's imagination, what uh, what you lose there is possible stakes. Exactly. Like, like actual harm coming to the character or their friends or something, if it is all taking place inside somebody's head. Um, and do you feel that's the case here? Because from what I can tell, it looks like um, like a not a, a chamber drama isn't the right word, but like a, a thriller setup where they're all locked in this location with the mob coming after them and they have to... That's the, that's the final act of the movie. That's the final act, okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, up until that point, it's a, you know, basically a, get that diamond, you know, there's a diamond okay. that's the all MacGuffin right. that everyone's trying to chase after and so that's how the five disparate storylines all kind of converge and okay. it's up to Harley Quinn to be like the only one who's like, look, we're in this together, you know, with her, with her <laughs> thick <laughs> Brooklyn Rouge. <laughs> But I, yeah, it's fine. It's okay. it, it was kind of forgettable, honestly, unfortunately. But um, like, I think it is a positive direction for the DC movies. It's much better than Suicide Squad. It's much better than Joker. So, <laughs> stiff competition, if you ask me. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Joker? Oh. Joker was an Oscar winner, John. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. 
I remember uh, like saying like, "Hey, they made a movie first. Like, I, I'm you know, I'm I'm proud of them for like actually focusing on making a movie." And then I realized, oh, the cynicism was they're making an Oscar baby movie, and it's like, oh god, <laughs> what's worse, something that's made to sell toys or something that's made to sell Oscars or get Oscars? Like, ugh. yeah, I heard a derogatory term, uh, Martin Scorsese cosplay, which mm. is kind of like I I remember doing that in Lego. <laughs> <laughs> When you and I were young filmmakers, but anyway. Yep. Um, Who's having a good time? Get ready, ladies. Oh, you're that psycho chick. I'd never call a woman a chick. I'll accept broad lady woman, and on occasion, bitch. Bitch? What are you talking What's about? What's that for me, <laughs> Thankfully... We weren't limited uh, to seeing movies in theaters. Um, we have, we're thankful that our streaming services uh, graced upon us some wonderful movies that uh, we were able to watch from the comfort of our homes. Uh, Was there yeah. anything? Yeah, yeah sure. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to wholeheartedly recommend one that um, worried me. It premiered at the, the Toronto Film Festival, and it ended up getting gobbled up by HBO, which I thought was an odd like pairing because I think it tried to – it aspired to – uh, it tells a true crime story. It tells it in a somewhat lighthearted way, but it aspired to Oscar nominations for Hugh Jackman and Alice and Janney, and that was um, HBO's Bad Education. So this is an, uh, an original, or not an original, excuse me. This is based on a true story of uh, embezzlement and fraud in a very Tony suburb on Long Island. And um, Hugh Jackman plays the, uh, I guess he and Alice and Janney are really the two perpetrators of it. And so um, it's kind of like a, not a battle of wills between them, but you see this kind of true crime story unravel. And I think what is best about it is, is the dynamic between the pressure they feel to keep schools, grades, and like money up so that it, it improves the real estate value. So that once it gets into that psychological element, it's, it's very, very well done. Um, I don't know if you, I don't know if you've seen it yet or if you have like no I have seen it and oh, uh, it's okay. it's 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 a good movie it's really yeah. well made and it's very compelling um, I do have some problems with it some qualms <laughs> um, such as uh, John what do you what do you not like about LGBTQ representation <laughs> <laughs> Well, this would be my major complaint um, yeah. is the fact that I think unfortunately a lot of movies still rely on a very shorthand which is closeted gay character equals untrustworthy <laughs> so a lot of <laughs> a lot of kind of crime movies or crime narratives especially like ripped from the headlines tend to kind of sensationalize things by having a closeted gay character at the center of it and that's Hugh Jackman. Now, am I am I mad about seeing a shirtless Hugh Jackman kissing other boys? Absolutely not, but I, I it bothers me the fact that this is kind of a common trope that we still kind of go through, you know, every once in a while whether it be TV or uh, or um TV or movies or something. It's just it's 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 a cliche that I wish we would just do without. Honestly, yeah. Frankly. Well, this, yeah. As I said, this is based on a true story, and true to life, the perpetrator of this crime was, a, or excuse me, is he's still he's still with us, um, is a gay man, and like yes, that plays a part in this a story as well. A closet gay man, cl- well, closet. Yes, so he's not he's not out to his coworkers. Mm-hmm. Um, he he has a domestic partner on the island of Manhattan, mm-hmm. um, which in the movie plays a factor 
um, in kind of capturing him, his embezzlement, he gets his their partner to confess basically. Yeah. Um, by talking and about that's the other thing. He's a gay, stuff, he's a like, closeted gay man. What does that also imply? Cheating, cheating. Yeah. He's a cheater, <laughs> cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. I think you have to you have to make those things obvious for a in a two hour narrative. All right. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> if this is a documentary, maybe you could be like maybe introduce that domestic partner character who's who's a bit more I, I guess a little bit on the kookier side because. Um, as far as we could tell, Hugh Jackman is straight as an arrow, like kind of like the, 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 I guess, confident lead basically. And once this does fall apart, he has this Oscar monologue about like the pressure he's under, particularly from a mom who's like student needs special dispensation to retake yeah. a test or something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, and that, of course, that you get the caricatured me. mom, yeah, but, you know, at the beginning and then at the end, he's yeah. like, well, doesn't my son get special attention? Yeah. You know. <laughs> I, I found it better than a caricature. Caricature. Yes, exactly. We're getting back to it after six months. But I found a lot to admire in Bad Education. I liked it a lot. Join me in welcoming to the stage our district superintendent and my friend, Frank Tassel. In Long Island, the town is only as good as its public schools. The better the school system, the higher the price tag on the homes. These are the best early decision numbers that we've ever seen. I wanted to make a difference. I got us all the way to number four, and I will get us to number one. Get us to first. That's all that matters. Hey, Frank. Yeah? I've been doing some digging. I'm concerned. I caught a movie that uh, I guess premiered last year, much like Bad Education, but finally went straight to streaming because they just couldn't figure out a way to... uh, um... Uh, release it. It's called Radioactive. Are you familiar radioactive. with Radioactive? No. Okay. Um, it is a it is a biopic of one Madame Curie. Oh, that's right. Yes, yes. I have heard of this one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, we caught that on Amazon Prime, and um, the warning signs are evident from the very beginning because it runs at a scant, exact ninety minutes. So I'm like, <laughs> oh no. <laughs> it could be a total coincidence. All right. Sometimes our episodes run exactly an hour. It's not like we're trying to cut things down or something. It's not like we're trying to save save on uh, theater showings or something for our podcast episodes. What do you What do you mean? Well, so I was curious. There's two reasons why I was I was uh, in, interested in this movie. Uh, one, it is by the uh, writer and director of uh, um, Persepolis, and it's adapting a uh, another graphic novel about the life of Madame Curie. And then mm-hmm. B, it's also Madame Curie played by Rosamund Pike, an English woman. Excuse me, <laughs> one of the most famous French women played by someone from across the ta- across the river. Mm, I don't think so. Across the Sound, whatever it is, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the Channel. Channel. That's the word channel, I was looking for. Channel, the, yeah. the English Channel. That's what I was looking for. Um, that famous English sound. <laughs> I don't. I don't. Remember. Where are we? Canada? Who cares? Um, it is. It, it's. It's really scattershot. Um, mm. They're trying to do something interesting by playing with time and trying to introduce all the kind of applications of radioactivity even though she didn't witness them or would even get to a chance to experience them. Like, for instance, you know, we uh, have a scene where a kid goes through chemotherapy and gets to live a long life, even though, you know, if radioactive, you know, treatments weren't discovered, this kid would have died. And, you know, we get a, a fantasy sequence where she uh, gets to ride along the Enola Gay. Um, <laughs> so, like, it, it plays kind of with temporally there, but just not enough. And 
like that doesn't make up for the rest of the movie just being a bog standard paint by numbers like biopic where it's like you're a woman you're not allowed to work with the men <laughs> you have nothing to offer <laughs> now go back to the kitchen you're a woman you should be silent <laughs> so it's it's really not that good even though it tries to it tries to elevate the material and it just doesn't get there yeah, I did read a few reviews of Radioactive, and they did deride these fantasy sequences trying to connect it to uh, the dropping of the, the nuclear bombs on Hiroshima and Nagasaki <laughs> and trying to turn her into Dr. Oppenheimer or something. Like, I am, I am become death's... Yeah. <laughs> just sweep... Just sweep... <laughs> L'amour. <laughs> Destroyer du monde or something like that. I don't know. But... um yeah, I, I'm. I'm sorry it didn't work. I, I actually didn't know it was based on a graphic novel, and yeah, I, I know the director of Persepolis when she directed that particular movie was kind of working from her own experiences and and something a little bit closer to her heart. This feels this feels a little bit more cynical in its calculation to, I, I'd say, win awards because Rosamund Pike has been taking roles where she plays uh, uh, interesting women from history. Yeah. And is is really kind of like gunning for since Gone Girl is really gunning for those best actress accolades. So yeah, yeah. Uh, sometimes for good, mostly though. I think so far for ill, but yeah. yeah. And it also has those kind of like lame broad moments. Like yeah, she has this glowing vial with her at all times that she keeps basically as like a little a good luck charm, a little totem. Mm-hmm. And again, there's so many kind of like broad jokes where it's like, this is great for everything. We can put it in water. We can put it in makeup. Like, and again, like everyone, you know, all these scenes of this glowing rock and people are just putting their noses right up to it. Like, wow, this will work out perfectly. Everything will be fine from here on out as they all start slowly dying from radiation poisoning in the third act. So mm. the things that make us strong. My science could cure cancer. This is my light. And I will win it. Well, I'm sorry that that didn't work out. Uh, That's fine. Yeah, I I wish I could also say more positive things about um, Amazon has had a lot of interesting movies. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, put out over quarantine uh, we saw two of them uh, they're called blow the man down mm-hmm. and the vast of night mm-hmm. now these two are are really aping some kind of i won't say like well-tread territory but blow the man down is kind of like a not a redo of fargo but it's really inspired by it it's like this kooky homespun murder story this time set in maine with all their tor- terrible accents <laughs> <laughs> and um and I think they also, and from that, from the story centers on um, two teenage girls. Their, their mother just passed away, so that's what draws them back to this town. Um, one of them has like aspirations to make it in the big city, um, but uh, and they get caught up in this this crime that winds up in a dead body, and they have to stuff it in a cooler and send it off into the you know bay, like a, a way down like a lobster trap or something like that. Mm-hmm. Like that story could have worked. But the problem is it gets tangled up in all this other nonsense that I think they desperately wanted to get their overqualified cast involved in somehow. Because <laughs> they, they also have Anne Dowd and June Squibb and, and all these like like wonderfully like wonderful actors um, in this movie and they're like well, we got to give them something to do like how about this other storyline where there's this brothel that gets entangled in the local like crime syndicate and yeah <laughs> yeah so i remember the trailer 
definitely leaning into the whole it, this is a girl power movie because you yeah. know girls are doing it for themselves <laughs> it seems like you know they cast kind of people like margot martindale to kind of fill those roles so yeah um th- but i gotta say it looks beautiful like atmosphere incredible mm-hmm. and like i think that's what they're really like acquiring and distributing their movies based on is atmosphere because the other one i saw is called vast of night mm-hmm. and this is another immaculately produced movie um, this time, it, it really apes a, a Twilight Zone or Outer Limits story. Um, it's about like a, a high school in, I think, just outside of, of Roswell or something. Like it's, it was shot in Texas or whatever, but they try to make it look like uh, uh, New Mexico. Mm-hmm. And um, there are these long tracking shots like all through the city and these long conversations. And, and the performances there are all wonderful, but there are some limitations to this wonderful style. The fact that these actors are giving great performances if only you could see them because otherwise they're just baked in shadow. <laughs> and sometimes these long takes get a little too overindulgent. Like the, the real centerpiece of the movie, you see this in the trailer, is this like 13-minute shot. Uh, our heroine is a, is a switchboard operator and she hears a, a weird signal and all the, all the camera's doing is like pushing in on her face very slowly but she's like trying to piece together this mystery. Like what is this signal? Like what is this alien signal? And it like builds and builds and builds and that's wonderful. But then there's, like, later, like, we get this long, laborious story of an old woman, like, explaining, like, you know, th- there was light in the sky, and then this person was gone, like, <laughs> and it takes, like, 13 minutes, and it's just, like, like I'm checking my watch, like, like come on, let's, <laughs> let's wrap it up here. It would have been an amazing short story, or if they had more to, like, go on, but mm-hmm. it's kind of like, um, it, it's kind of like a really beautiful, ornate box that's just, a, like, a little empty inside, or just got that, uh, maybe, like, a, a speck of, of shiny dust versus, you know, it's not... <laughs> Something more substantive. So that's, that, that's, that was Amazon's output that we saw thus far. Um, yeah. yeah. Admirable that they're still making and picking up like interesting, very atmospheric movies like that. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I, I'm, I have to grade results. As I always say, I have to grade results, not intentions. So. Well, I mean, I think that's the, the faint praise we can kind of give uh, Amazon is that they are buying up like things that are a little more challenging and a little more interesting. Yeah. Whereas that used to be like Netflix territory. And now Netflix's job is uh, putting out kind of very bland garbage. Because <laughs> <laughs> we John, caught... What do, you, um, what do you mean? We caught two movies uh, that came out on uh, Amazon, or uh, not Amazon, Netflix this year, uh, The Old mm-hmm. Guard. Which is ah. fine. It's fine. And then uh, Power, which is uh, Project Power, which is not fine. Which is not good. <laughs> <laughs> so wait a minute. So these are these are the kind of movies that I think you used to see in theaters, or mm-hmm. maybe in the action section of your local video store. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the old guard has Charlize Theron mm-hmm. um, and a and a coterie of women. This is another like kind of girl power action movie, right? Not no, not really. Uh, oh, I mean, okay. she's the head of the mercenary group, so it's like you know a woman in charge. Ooh, does that threaten you, boys? Like, not really. <laughs> but um, so it's the old guard is it's a little more kind of both these movies. You know, they're 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 action movies at their heart, but they also have like kind of a, a sci-fi or fantasy twist to them. So the old guard is a, uh, centers around a covert team of mercenaries, but, um, the mercenaries are actually immortal. And so part of the reason why they have to be kind of so, um, uh, stealthy is because like the, they've been on earth for hundreds and hundreds of years. <laughs> so if they're not careful, there's a lot of records that show that they've been alive since, you know, antiquity. So they, and also why they're super trained and also why they can get in and get out without any fears. Now, 
that's an interesting twist to a movie that's just full of cliches out the wazoo. <laughs> Would you okay. believe it that, you know, they're put they're, uh the first act, they're put on this task. They have to go rescue uh, someone in Afghanistan or something like that. It doesn't matter. Made up a stand. Who cares? Yeah. <laughs> it's a it's an American action movie. So, you know, they're going to the Middle East to go, you know, fight for someone. Who cares? Yeah. Um, wouldn't you know it? It's a setup. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Set up. What do you? What do you mean? Oh, old guard, as in knights. Like they're they're old knights, is what you're saying. Exactly. And you oh, okay, know, while it. they're fighting, they while they're skilled with like assault weapons, they can also you know wield battle axes and broadswords and shit like that. So cool. uh, apparently, it's based on like a graphic novel or something like that. All so right, all right. yeah, but, uh, but John, they, John, it's a setup t- twist. What are you talking? <laughs> like. <laughs> I've never seen this before in an action movie. <laughs> exactly. So they're set up to basically by the government to prove that they're immortal badasses. And so now that they know that they're immortal badasses, now they're on the run. So okay. um, and along the way, they uh, meet up with this uh, girl named Niall, who, you know, her her immortality has just been activated. She was a soldier in who cares Afghanistan um, and her you know, immortality powers have just activated. At the same time, Charlize Theron is realizing that her immortality powers are actually starting to wane. So technically they're immortal, but for how long they don't, they don't even know. And there's a few kind of like uh, sprinklings of like, you know, franchise fodder where they could like, oh, we used to have this other teammate. We don't know what happened to them, you know, post credit scene, you know, <laughs> spoiler okay. alert looking out, you know, that kind of, that kind of stuff. But it, it's, it's, it's it's finely directed. It's competently made, but it's also just kind of like a flat line. It's bland. It's nothing you haven't seen before. Again, just loaded up with the cliches. The main bad guys end up being a pharmaceutical company. They want these immortal people so they can test them, you know, in abstentia with all their, you know, evil products. So, yeah, it's just kind of cliche piled on cliche. Even though it's it's well directed and you know, girl power, good for them. So okay, all right. I, I don't know why you're so dismissive of women, John. I mean, they can do anything, so. <laughs> also, women can do everything. There's also Project Power. Are you familiar <laughs> with Project a, Power, Greg? I, I saw an ad where they made it look like the next coming or something like that. Like, uh, <laughs> I guess all movies should. I mean, they, they, if you, you really want to put butts in seats, or in this case, you know, get people to load up netflix so you gotta mm-hmm. you gotta make it like the end all be all but um yeah if you could do anything john what would you do would you make a movie like project power or <laughs> i mean i want to give them some credit this one has aspirations to be just a like kind of more hip-hop infused like kind of have more of an urban patoir um it's set in new orleans so like the the action is a bit more brutal and it's a bit more kind of like um uh, what's the word Wait, you're for? saying that it's it's shot in New Orleans so that they could do something different with the direction? <laughs> you're saying they can't do that uh, in Texas or <laughs> Bulgaria or any other tax haven? <laughs> or Atlanta posing as some other Midwestern town? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> or or Toronto posing as any other like East Coast city, <laughs> or Vancouver posing as Los Angeles or North Korea or wherever the hell else. <laughs> yeah, but... Um... This one kind of like, it has kind of more of a Michael Bay aesthetic to it, but that also kind of makes it more unwatchable, unfortunately. Okay. <laughs> and we have uh, Jamie Foxx and, you know, uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt in it. So it's like, again, just like The Old Guard, it's like we've got a movie star in it, quote unquote, but not like a real movie star. <laughs> <laughs> 
not Jamie to, Fox yeah. can carry a movie. No, he's great. He's fine in it. He's fine. I just wish the rest of the movie were, you know, as memorable. Like okay. the the conceit of this one is that there's a, a illicit drug trade for this drug called power, and basically what it does is it gives you an X Men power for five minutes. What is okay. that power? We don't know. Like, could it actually accidentally kill you? Absolutely. So, um, so wait, you have no idea what the power will be. Mm-hmm. No way this coincidentally will help them get out of situations. <laughs> <laughs> Right? I mean, that that can't happen. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, with Justin Gordon-Levitt, like, the, the power is very bland because he's playing, you know, like a by-the-book cop. So his power is he's just basically bulletproof. He gets, like, a little oh. bit of extra super strength, but he's basically bulletproof as well. So, you know, they, that helps him get out of scrapes. Wait, so you can take this drug multiple times and get the same power each time? Yeah, it's it's, it's X-Men power. It's, it's X-Men rules. So you get one oh, power. So- so it, you only it, get one power. It manifests differently per. Yeah, it manifests differently per individual. Okay. Yeah. I, that sounds terrible. I, <laughs> why would you? Why would you set up this obstacle in terms of getting the X Men power? Like X Men's interesting because of the psychological element. Like well, Greg, look, I'm not a I'm not a script doctor, but I did read one review that kind of posited the five minute time limit is to add a little bit of a suspense, but also that in, that means that your action scenes don't have to be that protracted, <laughs> <laughs> or and or expensive. So, <laughs> okay, all right. Um, it's, it's fine. I would say the old guard is a more well-made movie than this one, but yeah, they're both just kind of like, eh, skip it. They're filler in the, uh, in the Netflix queue, shall we say. Well, Well, don't worry, John. Netflix isn't just pumping out terrible action movies from Michael Bay and his acolytes. (laughs) (laughs) It's also pumping out Will Ferrell comedies. Oh boy. (laughs) Yeah. Cause I don't know if you caught, um, I guess this would be, it's a much bigger summer release now that there are no uh, releases in theaters this summer mm-hmm. but um did you catch up on eurovision no i did not okay um it boy are you missing out <laughs> on every other uh, eastern european character or kooky character that uh will ferrell has done for the last 15 years um that's a, that's the odd thing i mean um it just a little background i don't know if you knew this so will ferrell's wife is swedish oh i didn't know that yes and I think this that's what initially exposed him to the Eurovision Song Contest. I don't know if you know anything about the Eurovision Song Contest. Um, oh, do I ever, Greg? Greg, I, I'm a gay man living in America, okay? <laughs> <laughs> By osmosis, so you, I know about the Eurovision, you know, pop song contest. Yeah, so you know that it's terrible. It's awful. It's <laughs> yes. wretched. It, they come up with the corniest, worst pop songs mm-hmm. that are somehow supposed to be representative of Estonia or Latvia or whatever. <laughs> So this is not like a, a kind of marriage made in heaven. So we got a kooky, a kooky um, Western European character played by Will Ferrell. He's he's Icelandic, mm-hmm. and his sister slash like love interest or whatever their their connection uh, isn't great because like I don't think I don't think she can keep up with him is the problem. She's much better when she's like on camera with like somebody else because mm-hmm. she still has a character to play like somebody who's like fawning over him and and like desperately. Live. Uh, living to achieve his dream, basically, mm-hmm. of winning the Eurovision Song Contest, but like the the two of them together just doesn't work. Like she doesn't, she's not a natural like improv actor. And yeah, and that's like, the other thing. It's like yeah. all these late, like all the other you know Will Ferrell comedies are all about who are we setting up with this time. It's Mark Wahlberg this time. It's Kevin Hart this yeah. time. It's uh, John C. Riley again. Like Rachel McAdams, really? <laughs> is that <laughs> is that a, is that kind of a pairing everyone was really like gunning for? I don't think so. No, I and mean, uh, she was funny in in the movie Game Night. I don't know if you saw that one. Oh but that's yeah, because, she was fine. Yeah, she was yeah, fine. Yeah, th- but that's because she was playing like somebody more homely. Mm-hmm. And then when you're thrust into this 
you know, outrageous violent situation or something. That's mm-hmm. that's funnier than this when she her only motivation is. And just she didn't have shooting. to put on an accent for that, so it's like it's easier yeah, to yeah, improv if you're not like trying yeah. to put on a funny voice as well. So yeah, so again, some, something's not gelling here. Like it could just be a wacky Will Ferrell comedy, but the problem is it's it's made with the approval of Eurovision, which, as I mentioned earlier, is terrible. <laughs> so in the middle of it is like this long music video a very earnest music video too earnest <laughs> like all of eurovision is <laughs> and so you have like all these people come out and, and sing at this it's set up as a party or something and so you got this long take with everybody going on and again like eurovision songs it's bland slash terrible slash just <laughs> awful pop music <laughs> that um that desperately needs to be like had to have the mickey taken out of it but <laughs> that's not what happens here and instead it becomes like painfully saccharine and earnest like um, through a series of contrivances, not contrivances, but they, they do wind up um, like winning the song contest because of everybody's pity for them. Um, I'm just going to spoil it because not, not that anybody cares. It's a Eurovision song, song movie. And it ends with this like montage set over Sigur Rose, the other Icelandic band, you know, the one that has like the huge orchestral music. <laughs> and I'm like, where did this come from? Like, why is it suddenly saccharine and earnest? Um, I guess because it's a terrible Eurovision movie. So, <laughs> oh. yeah. So it's trying so to be it both. Just it's trying, like, yeah. The, so it's not yeah. really like satirizing it as much as a celebration of Eurovision. Yeah, exactly. Um, and that's the kind in of. In addition weird... to being a Will Ferrell comedy, that's that's the other weird thing. Yeah. Um, if you ever watch the movie Semi Pro, Semi Pro is like a a wacky like Talladega Nights mm-hmm. but they also have this romance like Woody Harrelson's the other actor who like has a very earnest romance subplot he's trying to get back in the game or something and they're like these th- these two things aren't working <laughs> these two things don't go together this is not like like chocolate and steak like <laughs> like they're fine on their own they could work on their own but together it's just not not working so yeah that's that's kind of what it felt like like you can make your terrible Ernest Eurovision uh, movie that adapts uh, that um, uh, faithfully adapts the 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 painful cheesiness of Eurovision, or you could just have your straightforward Will, Will Ferrell comedy. But putting them together, just yeah, it wasn't happening. Mm, like oil and water. Yeah. All right, everyone. I am Lars. This is Secret. We are Fire Saga. Who wants to hear a Eurovision song? <laughs> All of Iceland thinks we are a joke. That's not true. And my father is ashamed of me. No, he's not. He looked me into the eyes and said, I am ashamed of you. Maybe he was drunk. He said, and you might think that I'm drunk, but I am dead sober. Idiot. Officially, Fire Saga will be representing Iceland at Eurovision this year. I hate them. Absolutely terrible. They're old, disgusting people. But we have no choice. So we're in. But thankfully, I mean, I think I think we've been hard on the straight to streaming selections this year. Mm. Um, can I share one more that I really enjoyed? Sure, go for it. It was uh, Hulu's Palm Springs. Hmm. Yes, I also watched Palm Springs. Yeah. No, John, I mean, uh, another time loop movie because you and I are obviously very <laughs> savvy viewers. I, we see a time loop movie every week, so. <laughs> Obviously, this one is just is just old hat to us, right, John? I mean, <laughs> I mean, a time loop movie. Where have I seen this before? <laughs> yeah. So, like, like Groundhog Day, this is a another comedy 
set inside a time loop where the day resets every every day. I'm going to say day one more time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this time the location is at a wedding in Palm Springs, though. Mm-hmm. And as the oh, the woman who gets caught up into it, um, she describes it as the worst day of her life because she re- feels really guilty about something. Um, yes, that would be a spoiler, her, though, if we revealed the nature of, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we don't want to because the movie has some good inventive twist to it. Um, I think it legitimately tries to base it in some science. I think, <laughs> I think it was a draft of the screenplay or cut of the movie where they do get into it a little bit more. But <laughs> For all intents and purposes, enough explosions will fix it, <laughs> which yeah. I think should be the solution to every problem in any movie. So, yeah. <laughs> um, There is kind of a few inventive elements. Uh, for instance, there's J.K. Simmons' character, Roy. Um, yeah. He's another character who kind of got stuck in the time loop, and he blames um, Andy Samberg. Uh, again, Andy Samberg is the one, his character, Niles, which we'll get into why he's named that, um, is the original character who got stuck in the time loop. And through kind of plot contrivances, he originally pulls in Roy. Roy, uh, most of the time, kind of is off doing his own thing. And he also pulls in uh, Sarah, who becomes the love interest. Although, yeah, not... I guess I guess the the, the their romance isn't really a cornerstone of it. Well, I guess it becomes one, but... Yeah, there's some more like secrets to be revealed between them or something because even it never explicitly says, but he's been in this like time loop a long time and has a very cynical attitude, and that's I think the main draw is it's kind of his attitude towards it. Um, well, I mean, that's like the fun it, part. His it's name like getting... is his name is Niles. His philosophy mm-hmm. is one would say nihilistic. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, but that, it's fun. That it's would like be... Groundhog Day. It's like Groundhog Day. You get to the dessert with him, like having a cavalier attitude and killing himself over and over again. Exactly. It's like getting straight to the yeah, getting straight to the main course there. I mean, but that's actually one of my. That's kind of one of the interesting things about this movie, comparing it to Groundhog Day. Is like Groundhog Day, for lack of a better term, felt like more of a grounded movie. And maybe it was just the setting. It was the fact that he's stuck in a, you know a shitty town like Poxitani where it's snowing constantly and it's kind of a gray, like gloomy day. This this movie, like. It's it, it feels a little bit too optimistic at times. It's a little too kind of like brightly colored, candy coated, and I I can't help but feel like it's probably uh, Andy Samberg's presence and the fact that this is kind of produced by the Lonely Island that it feels like a bit more like you know like pop star never stops stopping you know. <laughs> well, if you say that, that's one thing I I will say is it feels more grown up than the Lonely Island's output. There's not really any of that wackiness going on. See, I or still there... felt I still felt the wackiness at times. Really? Okay. Yeah, like that's the thing for me. It's like you're, there is that kind of like nihilistic underpinning, but again, with that kind of like Lonely Island sheen on top of it. That same Lonely Island sheen that ruined Lego Movie Two. Damn it! <laughs> <laughs> it's their fault. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Yeah, I felt I felt it could have gotten a little crazier, like yeah. Uh, like all their music videos or pop star like has some wild diversions and that doesn't really happen here it's a lot more earnest like um i or at least earnest in in parts i guess like there's a i'll I'll say conversion in the roy character that's like a very sweet little Mm -hmm. scene there so yeah yeah no it's it's i uh, the only other kind of complaint i have against it is i wish it ended a little more ambiguously as well like i think that would have been uh, like a little like a little more kind of a twist to the knife or like it could have had kind of a, if not darker ending, like a more kind of ambiguous one and kind of left the audience up to interpret their own ending 
which I think would have been a little bit more challenging. Instead, it's kind of just like, oh, it's a nice, it's a cute comedy, it's a romantic comedy, and I uh, wish it kind of played more with the, again, nihilistic underpinnings, because that's kind of the whole point, is a man kind mm-hmm. of getting out of, you know, this nihilistic attitude, thinking that nothing matters, so. All right. Once again, yeah. it's fine. Everything's fine. It's better fine. than fine. It's well done. <laughs> I'd say no wonder it got added, like a huge price tag out of uh, Sundance. Um, mm-hmm. And again, like like bad education, I'm thankful that it got <laughs> gobbled up by a streaming service versus uh, playing in theaters where I can't see it. So There you go. <laughs> yeah. One of those infinite time loop situations you might have heard about. That I might have heard about? Yeah. The second you fall asleep, it all just goes back to the start. I drove all the way back home to Austin, and I still woke up here. One time, I smoked a bunch of crystal and made it all the way to Equatorial Guinea. It was a huge waste of time. Well, then what's the point of living? We kind of have no choice but to live. No, I'm going to get out of this. Suit yourself. See you tomorrow. Now what do we do? You just have to embrace the fact that nothing matters. Do you sleep with people in here? Great question. I have, but it takes a lot of work. May I cut in? It's the first dance. And that's a deal breaker? That didn't work? (laughs) And if you're wondering, yes, I did contemplate crossing state lines so that I could see Tenet in theaters. um, (laughs) And threatening my health, but... But Greg, do those states, you know, contain COVID as well as California? I don't think so. I mean, come on, California's doing great. (laughs) (laughs) When you said contain, I thought you meant like in terms of our numbers, like having the the greatest amount of volume of of COVID, (laughs) in which case California really stepped up its game this summer. Like it did did just a bang up job in terms of like producing the volume that we all expected. Like, again, we want to have the most COVID numbers. We really want to bust out that herd immunity um, there you go <laughs> so that we never have to go outside without masks again <laughs> why would we even have to go outside outside is on fire anyway so let's it, stay yes, indoors exactly it's too hot yeah <laughs> just stay in that house that you can barely afford <laughs> because mm-hmm. the housing price is just so ridiculous have i complained yeah. about california enough i don't think i have <laughs> I, yeah well, Greg, we've been talking for a good 50 minutes. I think we should catch up on stuff that we might have caught that haven't ha- that hasn't happened in hell year 2020. What do you say? Uh, sure. So catching up on stuff from 2019 and past and mm-hmm. yeah, I was going to say and beyond, but <laughs> th- th- you don't go beyond backwards, I suppose. But. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> That's a great album title. You don't go beyond backwards. You don't go. That is, that is a really good album title. Let's record it. There um, you go. <laughs> yeah. What do you want to start with? What What did you see? Uh, uh, well, I caught up on uh, Parasite. Very, very good. Um, mm-hmm. I caught up on uh, Portrait of a Lady on Fire. Also very good. Highly recommended. Okay. Um, I caught up on Cats, <laughs> which was an experience. <laughs> that, that, yeah, I, I want to say I want to save that for the crown jewel of what we caught up on. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I would say, though, that the biggest thing that I caught up on, we've been catching up on a lot of franchises. So mm-hmm. uh, we've been catching We caught up on all the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, which okay. I will still contest that the first three hold up really well. The next two, uh, not so much, but the first three are fine. They're very, very mm-hmm. good movies. And, you know, the first one is an unimpeachable classic. So there you go. Oh, yeah. uh, we caught mm-hmm. up on the uh, uh, Divergent series. <laughs> No, wait a minute. They never finished that, right? No, they, ne- they technically never okay. did. There was supposed to be one more that came out after Allegiant, and uh, Allegiant bombed at the box office. So. Okay. And, uh, wait, Allegiant was a second one, and then they were going to split. No, it's a no. trilogy of books. And no, then no, gonna... the second one is Insurgent. 
Oh, got it. Okay. Yes. Um, like it's, I can't say that I'm disappointed. (laughs) Um, I can understand the frustration of viewers though. It's like with these, you know, YA adaptations, everything's a test. Everything ends up being a test or a simulation. (laughs) So like the last one, it, it turns out that they are just kind of like that their society was just another level of control and now they have to go after the big bosses ahead of them. So And then like, they did the Scorch Trials. I, I remember. Yes. <laughs> you know, I, you might be getting things mixed up, but it doesn't really matter. So. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I think I know. I know my way around these things. But the one thing I want to recommend to everybody that I did catch mm-hmm. up on is I saw all three of the current chapters of the John Wick trilogy. Okay. Yes. So this is now, this is up there with Star Wars, right? Like in terms of trilogies, like there's prequel trilogies, uh, Skywalker trilogies. Um, below that is the original trilogy. Like it's okay. Um, and then John Wick just above that. Is that what you're saying? No. Uh, the John Wick movies operate okay. on the same uh, uh, visceral thrills as a James Bond movie or an Indiana Jones movie. They are popcorn films okay. first and foremost, and they are a hell of a lot of fun. The first one, uh, pretty simple setup uh we we get introduced to this guy john wick we don't really know what he does but his wife just died so he's super bummed out what a real bummer um he uh, but it turns out his wife before she died you know it was like a slow kind of like cancerous death so she had time to set things up so she got him a new puppy and said hey take care of this while i'm gone you know like give you a new lease on life so she she knew she wasn't long for this world exactly and so to set it up she got him a puppy so he'd have something to take care of after she was gone Enter uh, the guy from Game of Thrones who lost his dick, uh, Reek or whatever his name is. Oh, sorry, uh, we that, forgot that, that. we don't. Name we is... don't know what uh, Alfie <laughs> Allen. We don't. We don't Alfie remember Allen Game of Thrones though. We don't yeah. care. <laughs> Enter Alfie Allen. He's an asshole uh, son of a Russian mobster who is jealous of John Wick's sweet sweet ride. So he comes in, steals the car, and kills the puppy. That is the initial setup because really the John, I saw the trailer. <laughs> Tell me something I don't know. <laughs> the star of the John Wick movies is not John Wick himself. It's the star is the world in and of itself. Because okay. it implies that there is a secret cabal, this underground world where literally every citizen of Manhattan is a part of <laughs> this criminal enterprise where they use gold doubloons as currency, not real money, <laughs> but gold doubloons. And so that is the real star of the world, because, or is the world that it's building. Because once we kind of get the initial setup out of the way, dead puppy John Wick wants revenge and his car back, then we enter the criminal underworld and, you know, we realize like, oh, he fucked the wrong man. Because once everyone realizes that he stole John Wick's car, everyone's like, wait, John Wick, the guy who retired five years ago to have a nice quiet life, you pissed this man off? Oh, fuck, Mm -hmm. you're done. So... And again, like a Indiana Jones movie, you know, it's a series of action sequences, very episodic. But again, like hell of a lot of fun. Good movie, seven out of ten, thumbs up. Next one, eh, not great. Probably five out of ten. Really not that good because it's basically just like John Wick again, but we have a bigger budget. So he's passing off to Milan, and we don't get that kind of um, that kind of viscer- viscerally simple setup. Do you they know. have a cat? Does, do they kill a cat this time? No, Or no, some no. other beloved pet? Okay. No, no, no. He yeah. gets a new dog this time. He gets a new dog. Oh, so it's, yeah. it's, it's still the same dog? No, 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 it's not usually the same. Usually with the a sequel. Si- okay. the, the dog is dead. It's not the same dog. It's a, the I don't dog know. Is it's dead. obviously not the same dog. Yeah. I'm just saying, usually with a sequel, you just do a slight twist on whatever came before. Like, um, 
I don't know, adding mini me to the Austin Power sequel, but still doing like the the uh, title sequence and I don't know, like accidentally eat drinking poop or something. I don't know. I no, can't no, remember no. the movies now, but they were essentially the same movies. <laughs> I mean, yes, and the and the problem is with John Wick Two is it is essentially the same movie, except mm. this time the the motivations are much more esoteric and much more obtuse. This guy re-enters the picture. You know, he's like vaguely European, who's like, "You still owe me, John Wick," and because of blah blah blah, because you've re-entered the picture, you still have to do these things for me. And we're not really privy to what the things are, but again, it ropes John. Wick back he has to like you know now jet off to Milan so basically they have a higher budget but they don't really do much more with it it's just better production values but it's still very much you know John Wick pulling off headshots you know with Mm -hmm. you know pinpoint accuracy Um, but we do get to introduce to the king of the Bowery aka Lawrence Fishburne reuniting uh you know, uh, Keanu Reeves with Lawrence Fishburne, and Lawrence mm-hmm. Fishburne is just mm, mm, chewing that scenery. Just mm. he's like a character out of like Escape from New York. He's the Duke number one. He's like he came. He steps out like he, he the the Bowery is kind of like where the you know the the story centers around this like criminal underworld. He's the mm-hmm. underworld under this underworld, <laughs> like <laughs> where every great. every you know member of this faux underworld is like you know like classy and very Art Deco, like. Um, Lawrence Fisherman's character is like the king of the the vagabonds. <laughs> like everyone is homeless, and he's wearing like rags. But you know, he's still kind of he speaks with this bravado and this gravitas, and it's just it's so great. Like that's the highlight of the movie, even though the movie itself isn't that very good. However, it does set us up for John Wick Chapter Three: Parabellum, which I can say without hyperbole is one of the greatest cinematic experiences ever. <laughs> okay, even I though you didn't see it in a cinema. I mean, no, I did not. But okay. you know, just. In, in terms of just pure celluloid spectacle, mwah, chef's kiss. It is absolutely brilliant. I think what they did with the second one, they realized that they didn't really go far enough with it, which was mm-hmm. my kind of experience watching John Wick Chapter 2. So John Wick Chapter 3 is just balls to the wall. What the fuck can we do with whatever the hell we want? Let's do it. There And because, like, kind of John Wick 2 felt like, oh, we're reiterating reiterating off the same themes he's like a really good marksman here's a bunch of gunfights this one oh he's uh stuck in an antique knife store so we get a fucking knife you know set piece (laughs) we get introduced to Halle Berry's character who has two guard dogs now we get a fucking action set piece with two attack dogs two German shepherds just ripping people's nuts out left and right it's fucking awesome all right and uh, building off, you know, the relationships that he's built in the, uh, you know, first two movies, like those kind of come to a head. And again, it's like, it's all this world building. It's this, it's this bizarre kind of world that we've set up all taking place in this kind of mysterious hotel called the Continental. And there's mm-hmm. like, you know, like, that's kind of the, the major themes that we're playing with in all three John Wick movies is again, there's, a, there's this criminal underworld, but there's still these kind of like rules and governance that they have to follow. But again, they're criminals. So they're like, bad guys why are they following rules and again it's always like that push and pull that interplay and that really kind of comes to a head in chapter three and again just the kind of balls to the wall audacity of the movie and the kind of inventiveness with the set pieces really kind of makes it shine it's a really really good movie um but unfortunately you do kind of have to see the first two john wick movies to really appreciate it oh well oh well sorry forget it now i have to do homework forget it (laughs) 
they're all fine movies. They're all good. All right. It's all it's all great time at the movie. I understand all why right. people like them so much. I mean, granted, I'm, it's popcorn filler. It's it's you know these aren't like you know enriching experiences like watching you know something by Bar- Dardan, but you know, th- like again, they're operating on the same level as James Bond. All right, you mean the Dardan brothers? But sorry, yes, Dardan was a painter. I believe. No, I mean I, no, I mean like the whole Dardan lineage. <laughs> you know, okay, all right. everyone with the last name Dardan turned out to be a great artist, and you know okay. makes very fulfilling art. Okay, yeah. I might I might catch up on them. Um, I'm gonna object to something you said. You said the. The criminal underworld is really the star, the atmosphere. Yes, the, yeah. Okay, the, that's the milieu we're in. Mm. I thought the real star of the show was Armalite. Um, is this not the case? Or, <laughs> um, I mean, if, if you have you know a thing for production values, yeah, I guess. If you're a loser like that. I have cares. a thing. Yeah, I know. I have a thing for gun safety. Right? <laughs> <laughs> and I know that. Keanu Reeves go through, goes through a lot of training mm-hmm. and that other gun companies might, you know, <laughs> throw a little dosh out their way because mm-hmm. <laughs> they see their sales go up whenever. <laughs> I mean, that is the other kind of, like, interesting thing is, like, I I, I compared it uh, favorably to Indiana Jones and that's kind of the same thing. He gets out of every scrape, but it's like he's always battle damaged by the end. So it's like, okay. on the one hand, it's it's highlighting his inhumanity, but also his humanity at the same time. He's yeah. he's a badass, but, you know, at what cost? <laughs> like, <laughs> he's very much pained by the end of it, so. Okay, okay. Yeah. All right, well, I, I'm happy to hear you had a good experience with the uh, uh, movies from the past. Mm-hmm. Um, in this case, the Pirates of the Caribbean and the John Wick movies. Mm-hmm. Um, I gotta say, I mine was characterized by disappointment, because... Yeah, I, I caught up on some movies from 2019. Um, the one that made the biggest impression on me was Uncut Gems, mm-hmm. although I didn't like it as a lot of other, like, uh, let's say, uh, film Twitter, as much as I enjoyed it. Um, <laughs> it didn't have me It didn't have me on the edge of my seat the, the whole time because it still takes place in a world I, I don't understand. Like, characters still drive Rolls Royces and mm-hmm. talk about, you know, $200,000 as if it's a whole lot of money, but then they also live in giant mansions and... <laughs> I don't know, just like Adam Sandler's character is always looking for his next bet. So like I, I didn't see like at the end of it, like I, it maybe it was just like a, a world I couldn't get into. I, there's no doubting that Safety Brothers like a wonderful uh, production of this world, but um, still it just didn't it just didn't grip me the the way it did others. So I, I'm I, I'm sorry. I'll apologize for that one. Um, those are not the two biggest disappointments, though, from 2019. Um, I saw Jojo Rabbit, which matches Life is Beautiful in terms of being the grossest movie yeah. of World War II. <laughs> At least Jojo Rabbit has more of uh, the sensibility to be a comedy, though, so you got to give credit for I that. Gu- yeah, I guess, yeah. It's not trying to be a Charlie Chaplin movie slash Holocaust drama. Instead, it's trying to be a Wes Anderson movie um, in the middle of uh, the light- Night of the Long Knives. No. <laughs> so... <laughs> Yeah, so that, I don't know, it just felt a little gross to me, <laughs> and uh, yeah, particularly that last montage where it's all in slow motion, and Sam Rockwell's character is dressed in, oh, wacky clothing, no. like, yeah, I was like, get the fuck out of here. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but that wasn't, the, that was the, probably the worst movie I've seen this past year. Um, not as big a disappointment, though, in terms of expectations, and not meeting those expectations, as Ford versus Ferrari. <gasps> 
Now, dear. this was billed, yes, as the ultimate dad, dad movie. movie. Yeah. Exactly. It, and I'm reaching dad age. I'm not a father yet. I mean, mm. God willing, I will be one day. But Yeah, I mean, you've um, always I'm, been so square. It's like everyone just assumed yes. you were a father. <laughs> yes, exactly. I, I have the hair that you can set a watch to. Mm-hmm. I have an appreciation for old cars. <laughs> <laughs> And could talk about serial numbers and all that. And so I thought... This is and just thinks all this ethnic food is too flavorful. <laughs> What's wrong with meat and potatoes? Exactly. <laughs> the salt is too spicy. Take it back, please. <laughs> I'll have bacon and eggs instead. But So I thought this would be the movie for me. But I, I, I couldn't help but feel disappointed, at least in my at-home experience. The, the, car, the, the actual race scenes, CGI crap. Like, still. Mm. like they, I was promised... Ernest, like, Le Mans 66-esque car chase sequences where cameras attached. No, it still looked ersatz. It still looked like green screens Uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. uh, And it didn't matter how much sound they pumped into it. I know they won an Oscar for, like, you know, really getting the real engine noises, really revving it up. But it still just didn't look right on my TV screen. So I mean, maybe that's the problem with, like, HGTVs or just, like, you know, on, on 4K TVs in general, just all these problems with special effects just kind of like shine a lot more than they do on the big screen unfortunately so yeah so that that was my that registered my first disappointment my second was in how the story unfolded um because this is a battle of wills between ford and as the title suggests it's a battle (laughs) of wills between ford and ferrari um and when you say tell the story as as a uh a documentary or you know you're just relaying the story that's somewhat even-handed mm-hmm. like but here they cast like ferrari is the old stodgy villain and uh, american pluck is the real hero <laughs> american pluck and let's say just english-speaking regions are, are the real you know the wily ones here um which leads me to my third point christian bale i know we all think he's a good actor <laughs> christian bale I'm sorry. I don't know what's happened to him since he stopped working with Christopher Nolan. He sucks. No. He just plays cartoon characters and all. And and this is almost the worst of all. He was terrible in American Hustle. Mm. He was bad in uh, uh, The Big Short, where he's doing all those ticks. He was awful in Vice, where it's like the, um, I'm just going to do the same pattern with uh, Dick Cheney's voice over and over again. And here, he's the most cartoonish of all. He plays Ken Miles, who was obviously a very respected um and a, a successful race car driver but here he's this grumpy old codger with like a, a, a an accent to rival i think dick van dyke's in <laughs> in mary poppins like it's it's terrible it's awful and yet somehow we're we're also expected to believe like he just has a, a shop in west west texas mm. that's how he actually like leads to the room yeah here's this like chimney sweep who somehow has a car shop in <laughs> in west texas and can't get along with anybody customers not race officials like not anybody not <laughs> And so when it's presented in such like a cartoony way, like I just couldn't, I just couldn't accept anything else. Like no matter how true the story was, I just couldn't accept anything else by it. So, like, well, yeah, it's the fighter story. that that encouraged him, right? It's like I guess so. Yeah, they're like lose a ton of weight and just act like a cartoon character, and you win awards. Yeah. So <laughs> that, must, that must be it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, not that I don't know how much weight he lost. Well, it's coming off of Vice, like yeah, obviously he lost a lot of weight. Uh, exactly. It's, it's one of his true talents. So. <laughs> Because I'm I'm not convinced it's acting anymore, but yeah, awful. And then at the end, I I, I guess I won't spoil. This is history, but um, no, I won't spoil it. But then it gets like really saccharine and sappy, and I'm like, are you, are you really gonna cry over? Yeah, <laughs> what's just transpired here? One of the car <laughs> contracts cancer, unfortunately. So. <laughs> yes, yes. Everybody lays hands on the GT40. <laughs> <laughs> 
you idle off into heaven, you old, you old, <laughs> you old lion. He's doing donuts on clouds now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're setting lap records at Le Mans in heaven. <laughs> but no, saccharine, terrible. Um, again, a huge disappointment, the, those last three movies I saw from 2019. Oh. Um, however, I'm happy to report that we found a crown jewel, I think, mm-hmm. <laughs> in... What I think is is one of the most underrated movies I think of all time, and I'd be happy to see in a raucous theater again. I hope it's the first movie I see once theaters reopen and we're allowed to go back uh, under safe and healthy conditions. That is, of course, Cats. Ah, yes, Cats. We watched it uh, in the comfort of our own home, just kind of mm-hmm. mouths agape, wondering what were <laughs> what were all the decision makers who came together and made and made this <laughs> of all things. Uh, okay, your mouth may have been agape. Mine was permanently affixed in a smile. Oh, okay. <laughs> so I, you like me, I think our only exposure to cats was when they advertised the direct-to-video like cast recording mm-hmm. back in the late 90s or something like those exactly. are the ads we saw and that's as far as we knew i think the simpsons parodied it too mm-hmm. at one point and that's all we knew of cats like we couldn't name a song I, uh, I mean i knew that they were wearing ridiculous costumes and they would come out onto into the the, the audience that's all i knew yes. about it i didn't know anything about mm-hmm. the story or the songs or anything yeah so what a delight to hear the first song or whatever <laughs> and again i can't i literally can't take the smile off my face as you said john probably not a a good movie by conventional standards. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people lay it at the feet of Tom Hooper and say like, oh, this is just affirmation that he's a bad director or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think it, that's possible. But what's clear is that like, yeah, he wasn't, he and the production stat, the production designers and the editors and like none of these people were talking to each other. No. That seems to be the issue. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so as we know, like now, like, the costumes didn't come together because the special effects team didn't have any reference points. They didn't like, they said, oh, no, we don't want the balls or whatever. Like the little marbles. But they that they, still, attached they were to still it. technically mocap suits. Like they were still, so I don't know yeah. what, what, what the advantage of wearing a mocap suit is versus a traditional dots on the, you know, ping pong balls on the black lycra. I think it's, it, it's like makeup in oh. that it takes, I think it takes a long time. So every day on a film starts with like makeup and that can take an hour out of the day, mm. if not longer. Like even even like plain makeup, like even if you're just like, I don't know, like wearing makeup to go out on a nice dinner or something, that can take a long time. Not much less like putting on um, Mystique's blue skin in yeah. an X Men movie or something. Yeah. But it's like, oh, we lost an hour of shooting today. It doesn't matter because it's all going to be cut to ribbons anyway in the editing. Yeah. <laughs> like exactly. There's only one musical sequence in the whole movie where it kind of comes together, and that's yeah. uh, Scribble Shanks, the Railway Cat. Obviously, uh, that's everyone's... Skimble, yes, that's Skimble Shanks, the railway cat. You said his name wrong. <laughs> that's the... And you're right. I, I'm looking back at that number, and you're right. It's not cut to ribbons. It like plays out like in, in shots that last longer than about two seconds. It centers around an actual dancer, and you get to appreciate his talent as yes. Scribble Shanks, the railway cat. <laughs> yes. Skimble Shanks, not Scrimble. Where are you getting Scribble from? You're right. right. Heaven forfend that I got yeah. that word wrong. <laughs> But yeah, that's the only sequence where it's like, oh, okay, this is kind of what they were going for, but the rest of it is absolute hot garbage. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say I won't say the hot garbage. Um, I I do like it. Felt like it was shot on two different units. Mm-hmm. There was they cast real world class dancers in Francesca Hayward and uh, an American ballet dancer and um, another guy whose name I can't remember. They all play it deadly serious. Mm-hmm. And then you have the celebrities. Your um, Rebel Wilson, James Corden, Corden, and their direction to them was like play it like a Christmas panto, <laughs> like yes. play it like. 
And then you got Jason Derulo, who's kind of in the middle of the road. Yeah. Like, or I guess Idris Elba. Well, just being an entertainer, like just being like a, a regular performer, which works. Yeah. That's what they should have done instead of James Corden and Rebel Wilson, who's like, I'm winning by my personality. That's what will <laughs> transcend the material. Well, the other weird thing about the change in adaptation is apparently in the original, like, obviously it's just a review. It's, oh, this is the next cat. This is the next cat. But it's yeah. not that actual cat singing. And in the movie, it's that actual cat introducing themselves and singing about themselves as if they're in the third person. And it would have been fine because no one's coming to see Rebel Wilson sing. Rebel Wilson, for all other talents, can't fucking sing. <laughs> <laughs> well, then, but then why do you cast them? Why do you pay you know upwards of a million dollars? I mean, she can do people? her little pantomime, her little like you know hachi chachi, and then just have the other people sing about her. And I think people would have accepted that a lot more than, I mean, you'd still have the fucking weird ass cockroaches with human faces. What was going on there? <laughs> Listen, I have It's just no bad doubt. decisions all the way down. And yeah, that's what, that's what kind of makes it a marvel, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, yes, technically we, we can lay it on the feet of Tom Hooper since he's the, the figurehead, the one in charge, the one who can give something creative direction. And, yeah, it's clear that none of the departments talk to each other or could figure out what the hell was going on. And I, I have no doubt, because Tom Hooper gave interviews where he – just absolutely adores the show and wanted to do right by it but i guess sometimes you kill the things you love like the menendez brothers or i don't know <laughs> we need a broderick i guess yeah. i mean but I, I i earnestly enjoyed it i think it's not you swine <laughs> saw a bad trailer and didn't appreciate it okay well that's the problem i the earnestly trailer, had a very good time the trailer is the most efficient way to appreciate any movie so honestly i think everyone lucked out by only watching the trailer because <laughs> the rest of the movie is two hours two hours of that do you want two hours of that no no you don't you want again new law post quarantine now that we're rethinking everything movies all 90 minutes done yes, radioactive already started it so you know we're already on the right track i like it yeah I was going to comment on another musical, another let's go, let's say bad musical, mm-hmm. um, quote unquote bad, because it's wildly entertaining and it is only ninety minutes and it is chock a block with songs like Cats is. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but we'll we'll uh, eventually we'll talk about that on another day. Um, <laughs> another day, another time. That. Exactly. I, I'm getting back into the podcast swing of things. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about it. I mean, I think I, it's like we never left, honestly. I think it's great. I think it's <laughs> I, perfect. I, honestly, it couldn't disagree more. We are <laughs> off our game. Nobody's going to download this. Nobody's going to listen to this. But if you do, we'd really appreciate a download and a review on iTunes or a follow on our social media yep. feeds, which we haven't been keeping up with. But, you know. We've been on break. We've been so much is going on now, but now we can now yeah. we can get back into the swing of things. The quarantine's over. You're free now. <laughs> <laughs> That's not true. Wear your mask. Yes. Wash Socially your hands. distance. Stay home if you can. Yeah. Just go to the grocery store and that's it. That's what I've been doing. Yeah. And just drinking a lot at home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna exercise for me. I must have gained. Oh god! I won't say how many pounds. I don't even want yeah. to think. Of, none of my shorts fit anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I rely. That's why you just wear just wear basketball shorts like I do. <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm right. I, I'm not. A, see, this is the problem. Like, I can always point to Greg and be like, "Well, at least I'm not as bad as Greg. I'm not at elastic level yet." <laughs> so, <laughs> drawstrings I will do, but elastic, mm-mm, no. <laughs> see, I'm here for you, bro. 
I'm here for you. Yeah. And we are here for you. Yes. So the aspiring snobs for... community. We're back, baby. Yes. Thank you for tuning in once again after six months off. Mm-hmm. Six months of vacation question mark. Mm-hmm. We were but... still technically working, so Yeah. But we'll be here every two weeks now. Yeah, like... we're gonna be doing it bi weekly because mm-hmm. you know, we're yeah. just we're just so busy. I don't say that. You're not busy. No. You just don't want to make the time for it. Oh hush. <laughs> <laughs> but um we'll be back to our regular format next week. Mm-hmm. And a few other surprises. Yeah, like, uh, a little, a little we're, shake up. we're not ditching Spotlight, but yeah, we're we're shaking things up. Um, we're gonna have some fun games. We're gonna have some story time. We're just gonna have some <laughs> story time. Yes, I've got some stories I want to tell you. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Oh boy, everyone's gonna be on the edge of their seats because they're they falling always, as asleep. they always are. As they always are. Because <laughs> they're falling asleep in their chairs and falling out of their chairs. I know. Not in guffaws, but in snores, <laughs> listening to Greg Mantell. Prattle on. Got well, you. Gotcha. I wanted to end on an earnest <laughs> <laughs> That is earnest. This is earnestly how we communicate, just putting each other down constantly. So. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. And who doesn't want to hear that? There you go. Who, would, who wouldn't pay $250 million for the privilege of <laughs> having that stream exclusively on your platform? But um, Well, that's the thing. Then, Next thank- week, we'll also be introducing Snobs Plus, the new premiere package. So <laughs> you'll find more about, more out about that next week. <laughs> yeah. Well, until then, thank you everybody for listening. Yes, and until next, uh, uh, in two weeks from now, uh, when you hear us again. Jellicles do, and jellicles, 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 cats. Jellicles do, and jellicles.